I bet they could get Oscar Isaac back if they told him that he could be gay. I said it before and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Never fear change. Life is too short for fear. Chase what is desired. I can do this all day. Would you mind identifying what you are? We're the best friend squad. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Welcome to the rodeo. Ladies and gentlemen, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. This is the way. I have spoken. Welcome to the Skiffy and Fanny Show at the movies. I'm Sean. I'm Alex. And we're here to talk about Star, Star Wars. Yeah! The, the new one. The one that just came out a month ago because we're late. God, yeah, it's been a month. It's been a month. Well, it was a little bit of a complication because I was in a country that didn't release it till I got back. So, yeah, complications. But uh, the good news is we're finally talking about it, which is great because I've been waiting for this goddamn movie forever. Uh, and I finally got to see it. Twice. I mean, I, I'm glad that you finally got something that you've been waiting for all your life. Hopefully you were uh, felt that the wait was justified. Um, we'll save that. <laughs> we'll have opinions. Spoilers! I, I think, yeah, I think we will both have some very uh, complicated and interesting opinions about it. But I guess before we get there, we kind of have to do our synopsis thing and our general reactions. And I have been elected synopsis master because I saw the movie the night prior to us recording and yes. so i guess it's the most fresh in my mind uh and i guess the be- the best way to think about what this movie is about is uh the resistance is in shambles and at the same time there's been a mysterious message from someone purporting to be emperor palpatine um hailing the rise of the final order this this new even more powerful entity we won't say what it specifically is uh and everybody sort of is is in this position of we need to figure out the big MacGuffin that we got to uncover. Uh, we got to end this before it starts, but everyone's coming from different positions on what they want to do. Kylo Ren, as is described literally in the synopsis, is raging through the galaxy trying to find Palpatine and destroy him because he doesn't want anything to threaten his reign. And then you've got our ragtag group of heroes who are doing it because they w- want to save the galaxy. And in the midst of this, we have all of these friendships and love and you know, family and death and destruction and mayhem and lots of Kylo Ren cutting people up with a lightsaber. Yeah, that that seems accurate. I think that kind of covers it. I mean, I can't say much more without sort of spoiling. Yeah. It's pretty simple. It's a pretty basic plot. I mean, it's a Star Wars movie. Yeah, right? It's a Star Wars movie. <laughs> like, Star Wars movies in the moment can seem complicated because they're all basically convoluted fetch quest plots. Yep. But it's really just like, we have to find the thing and get it from point A to point B and save the world. Yay, we saved the world! Pretty much, yeah. So, I I guess I'll throw it to you first because I just talked for a bit explaining what this movie is about. But what are your sort of general reactions about this film? Oh, gosh. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, if I, I don't remember, was I on the podcast for The Last Jedi? If it wasn't clear, like, or if I wasn't on that podcast, I am a The Last Jedi partisan. Ah. I, that is my favorite movie out of the this new trilogy. And so for me, Same. The, the Rise of yeah. Skywalker was basically, um, unfortunately, a giant disappointment. I will say in the realm of movies I saw once and never feel the need to see again, I do not hate it the way that I hated Avengers Endgame. Or I'm sorry, Avengers Infinity War, even though I also didn't like Endgame. 
because there is actually nothing in the film world that I hate as much as I hate Avengers Infinity War. It's like literally impossible for, for me to feel that level of intensity of emotion again because I burned out those receptors in my brain. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, for the most part, like, I, I wouldn't say I'm quite too, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed because I'm a little mad, but I'm not that mad. And it should kind of tell you something that I, I saw it the night it came out and had an amazing pizza at the Alamo Draft House mm-hmm. and a beer. And when when I was going to be on this podcast with you, I was like, I should really watch the movie again so that it's fresh in my mind. And then I was like, the thought of going and watching this movie again just makes me feel sad and tired. And then my friend Isaac imparted this amazing wisdom on me where he was like, look, if you didn't really like it the first time you watched it, watching it again is not going to make you like it more. It will probably make you like it even less. So just let it go. (laughs) So you might have come from a similar position of when we did The Force Awakens, and I actually saw it three times within a 24-hour period. And I kind of went through that exact feeling of I didn't like it the first time. And I thought the second and third viewings would have maybe helped soften that. And all I ended up doing was hyper-focusing on the things I didn't like. I feel like that's a thing, because what I was thinking about is, and, and Isaac, my friend Isaac, has actually now seen it twice, and he was like, the one thing seeing it the second time will do is it it will allow you to to see how actually gorgeous it is. Because J.J. Abrams, for all his many enormous flaws as a director, knows how to frame an excellent shot. Like, it's a gorgeous movie. But yeah, I, I feel like particularly when it's it's a, like a Star Wars type of movie where it's mostly like, when you're in there in the moment, there's like all the visual spectacle and, and you're like just really into it. And then maybe later you start being like, oh, maybe that wasn't as good as I thought it was because now I'm really thinking about it hard. Like you will never be able to be as receptive and open to that kind of movie as as you are the first time you watch it. Because then after that, you're just like, well, I already know what's going on here. I know where everything's going. Oh, this thing made me so mad. And now I'm even madder. Yeah, and I, that was definitely my my TFA e- experience, as I'm sure you remember very distinctly, Ooh, because I'm pretty I, I, sure you were on that podcast. I was, and you were a little old pillar of salt there, and I, I will say for the benefit of the listeners, do not worry. I am not going to be as, as grinchy as Sean was on that podcast, because... Well, we didn't have an, an Avengers Infinity War podcast, so I'm not, I'm never going to be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's interesting if you look at my reactions to the films, I kind of am doing the Kylo Ren backwards because <laughs> I start with like full rage. I was so angry about The Force Awakens, like so bad. I don't, I don't enjoy hearing myself on that podcast. And then I was like, oh, but like Leia got inside my heart with The Last Jedi. And so I feel like I've got a little bit of that joy. And I feel like I went back to being original Ben Solo before the dark side got to him. Uh, and then I come to this one and I feel a little bit of the dark side come back, but not quite to the same level. Yeah. And I think largely that's probably me uh, growing up a bit in a, in a specific sort of fan way, because I think there's something toxic and wrong with the fan community of Star Wars in general, and I don't really want to participate in that anymore, because it's not, it doesn't feel good. It just feels really like I'm doing harm to myself to sit around talking about how much I I don't like things in Star Wars, and so I just don't have that. Yeah. Like, it's amazing to call yourself a fan of something that you hate that much, right? 
Well, I know. I mean, it, what's weird is just like I get that people jokingly refer to them sometimes as the fandom menace, but I mean, <laughs> they've become kind of like the Sith. But like young Sith, before they get sort of like co- coherent, right? They're just a bunch of like angry emo teenagers just screaming at the world. Uh, and they have powers. Uh, in this case, their power is Twitter. That is a dark power indeed. <laughs> it's it's one of the worst Sith powers, in fact. <laughs> it's fucking Palpatine hanging in his little baby bouncer <laughs> tweeting. What is this little fuck saying to me? <laughs> 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 just imagining it now it's just ian mcdermott i mean the thing is though he would phone. totally you know that emperor palpatine would totally tweet like like donald trump where he'd be like <laughs> what? this is like the funniest image in my head right now it was a perfect signal the final <laughs> order make the final order great again <laughs> send tweet <laughs> send it it would keep the send tweet in yeah. you know it would <laughs> Oh, so, so yeah, my general reaction, I think, I wouldn't say big disappointment for me. I would say that I'm, I, I enjoyed it the first time I watched it. The second time I saw it, I could really see a lot of the flaws and I took, took a lot of issues with this film that I'm, we're going to talk about very briefly here when we put up the spoiler wall. Uh, I will say that I had a very interesting set of emotional reactions. The first time I was really concerned because I had a bad, film experience trying to actually see it before i actually finally got to see it oh yeah that was messed up yeah where i got like vaguely threatened at a movie theater and it was a whole big old ordeal second time i'm like having a blast uh but i finally went and saw it with some friends and and you know i i I really had a good time i enjoyed it and the second time i cried at the end of the movie because i think it finally hit me that like star wars as i understand it is done like that whatever comes now is not this saga of Star Wars. It's something that is wholly different because they're not just going to do more like Ray Finn Poe story, even though I kind of wish that they would, but also kind of don't. Oh, I, I don't think there's any earthly power that would allow them to drag John Boyega back into this seething mess. No, I, I think he's very much done, uh, which is so unfortunate. Uh, but as the consequence of many things, including the Star Wars fandom and all of the work that went into making these films, I think he is one of many of the, the actors who has fairly complicated feelings about the work that he's done. Yeah. I bet they could get Oscar Isaac back if they told him that he could be gay. Oh, my God. I would pay for that shit. <sighs> just let that man be gay. He wants it so bad. I I know we all just wanted him to, like, for fuck's sake, just have, like, one of your main characters be gay. Like, it's not that, it's fucking 2020, guys. Well, 2019 when the movie came out, but you get the idea. But still, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I have complicated feelings. Uh, there are, I think, a lot of very glaring problems with this film. I don't think they're entirely this film's fault. I think this is... I don't want to put the blame on J.J. Abrams for this, even though in the past oh, I, totally I have will. expressed my... I, a little bit, but I don't <laughs> want to put it all on on him because I I think that this goes to the problems with trying to treat Star Wars with the same studio model they use for Marvel. Yeah. Because the source material does... With Marvel, you have source material to pull from and you have some pieces that you can take and then refashion it to something. And so you're you're sort of doing... I guess, like, pastiche of Marvel Comics, but in a different sort of mode. With Star Wars, they wiped the slate clean, and so they're obviously not taking all of that. And I think there's a problem with the way that this model worked for making Star Wars, and it created a problem with the vision. Yeah, well, and, and I think it's like, 
kind of even more fundamental as like the Marvel movie model worked because, you know, everything is like loosely interconnected. But you could be like, all right, we're going to give you Captain Marvel and it's going to be like kind of a cool 1980s action-y movie. And then we're going to give Taika Waititi Thor Ragnarok and it's going to be like a neat fantasy comedy. And we're going to do give, you know, you Captain America. Oh my God, I almost said Captain America World Police. Um, The Winter <laughs> Soldier. <laughs> and, and, and it's going to be like a spy thriller. So like, because the movies are not direct sequels to each other they can have different tones and different themes and then build up eventually to like whether i liked it or not which i did not infinity war and endgame which they gave to the same directors so that like the 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 kind of the capstone was narratively coherent between the two movies because it was done by the same people and written by the same people and, and they didn't and, and so they tried to like piece out this last trilogy like they were distinct movies and there's like no fucking narrative coherence to it. And like, I'm never going to claim that George Lucas is some great story crafter. Like he did some cool stuff and it mostly he'll be immortalized forever because he was the first one who did it. But like, at least he had a coherent vision where like each of the little trilogies is its own distinct thing. And you know, like whether you like the prequel trilogy or not, that's like the story of Anakin Skywalker's rise and fall. It's like this nice arc that goes over the three movies. And this is just like, they should have had one person in charge of all three. <laughs> yes. So I I'm glad that you said that because that's precisely what I was going to say. Oh, sorry. I interrupted you then. No, 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 no. I, I wasn't going to say it at that time. I, I meant this was a, like a thing that I, I wanted to come up because before we get into spoilers about it, precisely what we mean, I agree completely. Uh, this really, there, there really are two stories here. There is, well, three. There's, there's whatever Disney thought that they were doing. And I, we, I don't know what they <laughs> Ooh, were doing because I we're not no in that idea. room and no Star Wars fan on Twitter knows either. Shut up, Reddit. Oh, right. God, there's, Reddit. yeah, <laughs> Reddit. And there's, um, JJ Abrams which is um, uh, seven and nine, right? There's that story. And then there is The Last Jedi with uh, Ryan Johnson, uh, which has elements that is in all of them, but feels like it's part of a different different story. Yeah, because it's like he's asking very different questions. Yes. And I, I think you are, and I both probably take the perspective that this creates a serious problem because we're supposed to be following the this primarily this group of three characters with a couple of friends thrown in as side characters, and we're supposed to be following their journey, but their journeys go in such different directions throughout. And I guess we're following four if you count Ben uh, Solo, and it, but they keep going different directions, and then questions that are asked in one movie are thrown out in another, or quickly mm -hmm. answered and tossed away. And then new questions are asked, but then those questions are ignored. And then in some cases, entire characters are just sidelined entirely. Oh, Rose, they did you dirty. Despite great setup of their 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 characters. Yeah, they're totally set up. And then, and I think this is probably the moment where you should put a spoiler wall up. Yeah. Because yeah. I think we want to get into specifics. So uh, this is your warning. If you've not seen Star Wars for some reason, stop now uh, because we're putting up spoilers. So bloop, 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 bloop. Nina, Nina, Nina. It's a trap! Take a base of action! I guess let's let's throw the elephant in the room, or at least one of the many elephants that are in this oh, room. Oh, there's a lot to um, pick from. You yeah, pick but first. Actually, it wouldn't be an elephant. I guess it would be some sort of elephant-donkey hybrid, because <laughs> there's, like, those weird, like, horse... They're like horses, but not horses. 
I mean, those were cool looking. Those are those are pretty cool. Those are fun. Uh, but Rose, Rose Tycho, uh, I got really pi- actually annoyed by this. Oh, I I was so fucking mad about what they did with Rose or what they didn't do. Rather, they didn't do anything with her. She gets a handful of lines. She mostly is just there as. She's like Sir not appearing in this film. Essentially. Yeah, she's reduced to like a tech, like if you go to, you remember, remember uh, Empire Strikes Back and they're those random like technical guys where they, they get like one or two lines and they say something to Luke or Han and then they just disappear in the background. That's essentially what Rose gets here. She gets slightly more, but it's, it's like two extra lines. Yeah. And it's incredibly frustrating because the previous film sets up very clearly that Rose is going to be important, right? This is a new main character that's getting at it. Maybe a supporting character. New new supporting character that's going to get significant playtime. This is like our Lando moment. This is Lando. She's the Lando kind of. She delivers the thematic, like, thesis of The Last Jedi, or one of them. Yeah. Like, her entire line about this is how we're going to win. It's by, you know, protecting what we love, not fighting what we hate. Yeah. Like, holy shit. And then in this movie, and, and, you know, and she has, like, her thing with Finn and whatever. And then in this movie, they're just kind of, like, barely nodding to each other. Like, hey, buddy, in the hallway. It's just, it's very weird. Yeah, there's not, nothing going on there. It's, it's, it frustrates me because I don't know why. I don't understand why, like, what was, this is where I think some of those feelings we were talking about earlier about these, these not being cohesive. And there's like a J.J. Abrams trilogy and a Ryan Johnson trilogy and a Disney trilogy. And they're all different movies because this is one of those moments. Like you set up clearly a romantic interest between two characters. You set up all of this character's history and then they, that all just gets thrown out. Um, and then this film does a lot, which I, I found really annoying of like introducing lots of other characters that we know aren't going to get developed in any film. So, so what, like, so the example would be, uh, the, the, the stormtrooper characters, the, the, uh, defected stormtroopers they meet on, uh, one of the, the Endor planets where the Death Star has fallen down, right? Really cool character. They set it up and then they literally ask us the question at the end, like, who is she? Ha ha ha. And I'm like, well, but that's great. But that, that doesn't, that's not how Star Wars has traditionally handled introducing characters that have stories we need to guess about. Well, and then it's like, what is it in the visual dictionary or whatever? They're like, oh, she's actually Lando's long lost daughter. And I was like, is that official canon? I think. I don't know. If so, I'm I'm even more annoyed because this isn't set up anywhere, and it's a story that that would be interesting. Well, I mean, obviously, all black people in this universe are related because there's like four of them, right? It, it, this would it, this would work for me if what they did is so like if we go to the classic trilogy, and I know it's really kind of unfair to compare to the classic because we all have like nostalgia goggles on and all that about it, but like when they introduce Boba Fett, like Boba Fett gets. I don't know, like three lines and they're mostly like, he's not good to me if he's dead. And that's basically his line, right? But he shows up in Empire. All we really know about him, he's a bounty hunter. He wears a cool suit. Uh, he's working for Darth Vader. He gets Han Solo because he, he works for the job of the HUD and he's getting Han Solo back. And that, that alone set fans going, who the fuck is this guy? This guy's super cool. And to me, that's a more interesting way of setting up characters than having a film that's like, I'm going to set these characters up. We're not going to have them be in really that important. But then at the end, we'll ask you like 19 questions about them that we want you to think about. Instead of letting the fans go, well, this side character, I really want to know about them. 
instead of like we have to set up like their little mini arc in the movie. This movie doesn't have the space for it. Yeah, it really for all doesn't. these arcs. It's a waste. She should have been in the in the Last Jedi. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I yeah, there were just there were too many freaking characters in this film. So many. The the one I personally had the most trouble with was um, the lady they threw at post to to like be like no he's totally heterosexual which is fine oh played by Carrie Russell y- yeah which is fine because you know what I can go from standing gay Poe to standing bisexual Poe I'm fine I'm flexible but like <laughs> I, it was just you know she had cool character stuff um honestly the the reason I I was mad about all of that does not even actually have that much to do with her. It has to do with the fact that I have actually read all of the ancillary material about Poe Dameron because he's my favorite character. Mm-hmm. And so this stuff about him being a spice runner is like a fucking retcon. Is it? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I, I'm a little bit behind on a lot of the external stuff. So, I mean, unless I really missed something when when i read like his his you know his little middle grade stuff and and all the comics the way poe's life worked is you know his parents were in the rebellion and then they retired and they went to this planet where they were like on a ranch and they raised him and then his mom died after she started teaching him how to fly and they continued to learn how to fly and inherited her a-wing and then as soon as he was old enough he joined the new republic navy and then leia recruited him directly into the resistance from the new republic navy that was the canon until the rise of skywalker when they decided to make the only latino a drug dealer what the fuck? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I was I was just like, I feel like I'm being gaslit by this movie. Like, I was real mad. <laughs> I, so I, I had been kind of, I, I didn't really know a lot of the ancillary material because I'm just really behind on a lot of that. But that, I mean, already it was annoying in the movie that that's what we do. It's not like, oh, I was a spy for Leia and so I had to learn all these tricks or yeah. something. That would have been kind of cool, right? Something that made him seem competent. But no, it was like, no, like, uh, he he's dealing drugs and doing illegal activity and also screwing people over. Like, it makes him seem like a far less, less good character, but not in the same way as Cassian Andor, right? Because Cassian Andor has been, fi- had been fighting the war his entire life, right? But, and he had done horrible things in the service of the rebellion, uh, but that was part of his journey through Rogue One was that we got to learn that was part of him. And so it was, it was a thing that he couldn't take away from himself. Uh, but that is never set up on anything in these films. And so if it's the ancillary materials are pointing out that this is false, what the fuck is going on? Who is in charge of this universe? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when I, when it started happening, I was sitting there going, why is he acting like this? And I was like, oh, maybe it was like, you know, when he was in the resistance, Leia had him go do some kind of secret mission to pretend to be a spice runner. And, and that's how he knows spice stuff. But then he was like, he kept acting really cagey. And then he was like, oh yeah, I was sort of like a drug dealer. And I'm like, what? Like, and what I feel like it was, was them taking a character who, who, you know, he had like his own outlook and he, his, his own backstory that makes sense. And they were like, but no, he's supposed to be the Han Solo character, so we have to make him a criminal. But they didn't have to make him a, a spice smuggler. They could have made him anything else. Yeah. Or even not have that. Could we also just not have that? Maybe he's just a really cocky starfighter. Yeah. 
it was totally unnecessary. I mean, after all, we've read some of the, the other books, and a lot of times starfighters, when they're in, in the Academy, become incredibly cocky because they, they tend to be come from very privileged positions, or at least are perceived to be from privileged positions. We read that in the in the Thrawn trilogy with, mm-hmm. with uh or sorry, with the new Thrawn trilogy with some of the the fighter pilots, right, being incredibly cocky. And that that seems to be enough. Couldn't it just be enough that he went to the 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 Republic Navy and that he was so good and he just got that cockiness from that? Yeah, he's so he was so good and like all he always manages to pull his missions off no matter how fucked up they get. Like that would be enough of a reason for him to have like this attitude. Right. And you know, because he's the guy who's never failed and suddenly he's put in a position where he has to start failing and that's actually really interesting, but instead they were like uh, nah, he's just a drug. He, he was a drug dealer for reasons. It's one of the things that I would say is, if we get right down to it, probably the single biggest flaw with this film is that it is a, a conclusion to a different trilogy. It really, really is. J.J. Abrams must have wanted to do a Palpatine thing. Oh my god, Sean, I hated the Palpatine thing so much. I only... <sighs> I have complicated feelings. I mean, so this is, this is, I I got in this argument with my friend Isaac. Okay. Where, like, I I was, I was, like, so mad about it when I got out of watching the movie. And he was like, no, I think, you know, I can understand why having Palpatine in there is a good thing. Because he's been the big bad for six other movies. And I was like, okay, when you put it like that, I actually can be like, okay, if we want to say, maybe try to make, imagine these as a coherent whole. Palpatine has sort of been like Satan this whole time, and we finally get to kill Satan for the last time, even though we've killed him, like, how many times before? It's not the last time. Oh, it's yeah. It's not the it's last It's never time. the last time with him. But it, never. It, you know, it's, I, I was like, okay, from that perspective, from a sort of meta-narrative perspective, I see how it makes sense. I still really hate it because... Because he literally didn't get mentioned for the first two movies. And then suddenly it's like, oh, Palpatine's back. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this it, it is incredibly, I think, frustrating because this really should have been the J.J. Abrams trilogy. They should have just given him all three movies and let him do the story more or less how he wanted. Because I suspect, regardless of what I think about J.J. Abrams as a writer and director, probably in... The Last Jedi, there would have been something set up there for sure, uh, but it wasn't. And and I agree with you, right? I I I agree with your friend that I I like the idea of Palpatine, like this being the Skywalker saga, saga, but also in a way it's the Palpatine saga. Just it's always been kind of backgrounded because he's always been like the shadow that's been hanging over the Skywalkers, like like the the puppet master, yeah, he's like the shadowy puppet master. I like that idea. I think that's a really cool idea. Great. This movie can't set that whole story up. Mm. It can't set it up, have your middle ground, and then also have your conclusion. It has to be the conclusion to that story, which means we had to have started it earlier. And this is a thing that I th- I was so concerned by when they just killed Snoke. And I was like, oh, great. Are we ever going to get an answer to Snoke? Like, what is Snoke? Who is Snoke? And the answer we get is that Palpatine made Snoke. And I was like, well, okay, sure, I guess. But it just feels like what J.J. Abrams did was he looked and he went, well, whatever the fuck they were doing in that movie isn't what I wanted to do. So I need to figure out how to get myself out of this as much mm-hmm. as possible. Not necessarily J.J. Abrams by himself, but the other people involved in the production. And this is an example. It's like, oh, well, well, we got that Snoke thing. Uh, I guess we'll just write it off as a Palpatine thing. And 
Um, well, I guess we're going to do the same thing where they have to like find the MacGuffin to get to the end point and also have no concept of how space works. That drove me nuts. Star Wars has never had a concept of how space works. It's fine. I mean, mostly <laughs> I was just when the, the opening scrawl came up and it was like Palpatine is back. And I felt I was just like, really? And and that alone is just a thing that makes me sad as someone who has watched all these movies because what that should have felt like is when you see, oh, Palpatine's back, you should have been like, oh, shit, son! I felt it coming, oh, God! We should have been surprised. We should have had some degree of surprise from that, and I just don't feel that there was anything there. I mean... It was totally unearned. Especially, like, they shouldn't have mentioned it in the the, uh, opening scroll at all. Yeah. Uh, they should have said a mysterious message has been sent out and left something kind of like that where we still don't know what it is. And then had the discovery when Ben Solo meets Ooh, Palpatine, that like be that. the moment we yeah. see it. It yeah. would have been better. It still wouldn't have fixed all the problems, but at least we would have been like, oh, shit. Yeah. Instead, we're like, oh, Palpatine's in the movie. I guess we have to wait for Ben Solo to fly through a nebula cloud until he gets there. Um, that's why I say they don't understand how space works, not because Star Wars understands physics or any of that, but because if you're go, if you're going with hyperspace to go from point A to point B, why wouldn't you just go around the fucking nebula cloud? Why are they flying in a straight line through, I just didn't understand, that made no sense to me as a map. I didn't understand it. You could just jump, you just jump from one spot to the other. So why didn't, why didn't they just do that? Because it looks cool, Sean. It looks I cool. guess it. I mean, it is pretty when he's flying through the nebula or whatever. But still, but, yeah. I mean, it's of of all the things, it's kind of a minor one. But yeah, I get it. Where yeah, and 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 the that I think that also becomes part of the problem is is when you get a movie where you're like, it's not quite working for me. Then you do just start picking on stuff because yeah. it's it's you know you're not with it. It's not carrying you. I mean, there's so much that I liked about the film, but it just once we. So you start to see the cracks, it's hard to unsee them. And they're they're really glaring cracks. They're not minor they're not minor things. Like yes, you're you're mentioning like you start to see the minor things, and yeah, the Star Wars has always had those. They've always been throughout. Star Wars is always little minor little little fractures and things that are there. But this the big cracks just reveal all the little cracks and it's just you feel like what you're looking at is like someone like glued together a vase that they, they smashed. That's and, it's like seven different vases that they're trying to glue together, <laughs> and they're piecing together seven different vases. Yeah, but really well, they did it really well. But then you start to look closer, and you go, "Wait a minute, this is this are pieces of different vases." Yeah, <laughs> what's like, happening? Oh, here? I thought this was a modern art sculpture, but but no, no, no it's supposed not. to be a vase. I mean, and I, I since we are mentioning Palpatine, I just the number one fucking thing that I hated about this movie was Ray being Palpatine's daughter. Because first off, I'm angry that J.J. Abrams made me think about Palpatine fucking. (laughs) And second off, it was just, it took me back to the trauma of watching Thor Ragnarok get, like, get retconned. Where it was like, this was one of the most powerful statements from The Last Jedi. And then he was like, no, actually, you're, you're like a special force baby that came directly from Palpatine's ball sack. And... He wants you to be a Sith because you're his baby, so your choices are not necessarily that meaningful. I don't know. It just, it, I mean, there was not honestly anything about the character choices where that actually felt like it made an impact on Rey, especially because 
it's not because Palpatine had had no presence in the previous movies. They yeah. the were, you know, they never even talked about the Emperor, let alone Palpatine. So it's not like, you know, him being like, you're actually my kid really had that much of an impact on her personally. And then, I mean, honestly, like if an evil dude came up to you was and was like, hey, you're actually my kid, so you should be evil like me. And, and your whole life has been like, I'm going to be good. You'd just be like, no, I'm going to be good. Fuck off. It's a weird... Like, I don't necessarily have a problem with Rey ending up being a Palpatine, but it is, again, a thing where the previous film very clearly tried to set up that whoever Rey was, her parentage didn't matter. And whatever Star Wars fans think of it, like, ah, she's not a Skywalker, whatever, whatever, uh, that was the setup. And so in order for us to get to this point where actually that is like some sort of force, like, you know, usual suspects pull at the end, where it's like, oh, ah, uh, gotcha. Uh, that we need more time for that to be a setup yeah. so that we can we can figure out what those visions she had in Last Jedi actually meant. That it that maybe the nobody was some sort of other metaphor, but there's no time for that. In fact, the the only visions we get here are the visions you've seen in the trailer where she turns into, I guess, super emo Ray, um, and has like the 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 slot into place double bladed saber because she goes evil. But again, like Last Jedi also makes it very clear that part of what's interesting about Rey from a force perspective is that she doesn't step away from the dark side the way others do. It doesn't mean that she steps into it, but she doesn't have the fear that Jedi do. Because I mean, Luke says that to her, right? Like you, you saw the dark side and you like, you just went straight for it. Instead of like what most people would go is I need to avoid that as much as possible. And so that's part of what her journey was. And now we're saying, oh, well, that's not because there's something else about you that's unique. It's that, well, you You're must genetically have evil. tendencies. You're genetically evil. And that's frustrating because, A, that's not even a, a, a Star Wars thing. People aren't inherently evil because someone in their past was evil. There are examples in the Star Wars universe, but that's bullshit. Uh, so that's silly. And B, because we don't get any setup for this when we finally get the moment, like you were saying, where she's meeting him, really the scene should be, I'm meeting like the most evil motherfucker ever, right? And that should be the, the thing is like, Leia told me about him and told me how powerful he was and how dangerous he was. And now I'm facing this guy by myself with minimal training. And this dude's been in the shadows for decades, right? Literally planning this. And I'm facing it. That should be the, the fear that's in her face. Not, you're my daughter and now I need you to become, you need to strike me down so my soul and all of the Sith souls can live inside you, I, I guess, or else I'll kill all of your people. And I'm like, but, but you're, you're gonna kill them anyway? Yeah. So. But, but if you let, if you become like the, the holder of all the Sith souls, then you won't be sad about them dying. So I guess that's okay. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It really felt like JJ Abrams was trying to have like a Luke, I am your father moment. And again, it was just, it did not fucking work because that, that moment took two entire movies to set up. Yeah, and it was the main conclusion of the second one. Mm-hmm. So it's almost almost five hours of content before you got to that moment. And this is like 45 minutes. <laughs> it's not quite. It's like, I think, almost almost two hours. Like an hour and 45 minutes is when we get that reveal. Though, I I, I don't know, because... Oh, no, it is halfway through. It's at the water uh, with the, the Death Star, isn't it? Yeah, because because it's not even Palpatine that tells her that. It's actually Kylo Ren that tells her that. Yeah, and that's an important distinction you make. It's Kylo Ren. Yeah. Because he, you, know, you all know, if yeah. you haven't seen it and you're still listening, you know, he turns from the dark side and he sort of 
like I guess vaguely becomes good. Yeah, we'll probably talk about that in a minute. <laughs> he, he he accepts as the he accepts the force as his personal savior five minutes before he cacks it, so he gets to go to Jedi Heaven. It's fine. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And this is also how they explain um Carrie Fisher being gone and Leia's death, which that one I was like, it's it's not as kind of how I I mean it's kind of how I would like her to go is sort of like doing something noble. But also, like, I don't know what else they could have done. Like, that, like she yeah, hadn't finished filming know. for this film. What else are they going to fucking do? I have some really mixed feelings. Because to a certain extent, I, I feel like part of why the movie maybe had the problems it did was because Carrie Fisher wasn't there. And it should have been her movie. And That may be, yeah. There's, like, part of me that kind of wishes they'd just been like, fine, we're going to fucking recast her and, you know, do the thing where we're like, yes, we know this is not Carrie Fisher. And we're doing our best. Because I think that would have given the movie more life. I had just some really mixed feelings because I wanted to feel a lot more emotion about it than I did because this was the last we get of Carrie. And like, I'm more upset thinking about it now than I was watching it because in the movie, because she's not really there, she's so weightless. And, And to me, the most powerful moment for Carrie Fisher in that movie was not any of the times that they took, you know, the the footage they'd already made and, and, you know, CGI'd her in and changed her clothes or whatever. It was, you know, her, them saying, oh, she died because she had to project her force and then her body being covered with a sheet. And then when her body disappears, like to me, that was the most intense moment. It's the final release because she disappears when her son disappears. Mm-hmm. And it's important to note because he he throws away the mantle of Kylo Ren and and uh, in his this is okay. So right, so we have this se- sequence where she goes into like a Jedi trance uh, of sorts, and then I guess uses the Force to sort of reach out to him through the Force, and I guess inject her goodness into him. Seemed to be what is going on, and that ultimately allows Rey to injure him probably fatally and then she heals him and then he has like his little commune with with han solo which i kind of like that little repetition yeah i I mean like honestly i have a feeling like that was a scene that should have been carrie fisher's if she'd still been alive so i'm glad that harrison ford came back for that i i think that was probably his gift to in the memory of carrie fisher was to do that yeah and i mean Like, I had gone into this movie saying if they redeemed Kylo Ren, I was going to literally rip the table off the floor and flip it. And I want to say that that it is to the immense credit of fucking Adam Driver as an actor that he actually sold me on the one thing I said I would hate the most. He, uh, this is the thing. Adam Driver, like, is pretty incredible in these movies. He doesn't get a lot of of lines to kind of really munch on but he gives some pretty astonishing emotional performances oh, yeah. his facial expressions are pretty impressive and and you're right he sells it i mean and like his entire being changes when you know you can see the moment when the evil leaves him yeah it's it is very palpable on his face it's really good performances and and yeah i i'm kind of with you because i've been a little bit over the idea of like big mass murderers getting redeemed but I think it's important the way he gets redeemed because it's not he he redeems himself. He joins Ray to fight Palpatine. They they try to fight together. He gets his ass handed to him and then ultimately gives his life to save Ray. And I think that's really important because he knows precisely what he's doing. Yeah. And it's a bit of it's a sacrifice similar to what Darth Vader did, but even more personal. 
It's not just like lifting up the emperor and throwing him in a pit. No, he actively chose to give give his life to somebody who he probably saw was a better person than he could be and deserved the opportunity to sort of bring goodness into the world. At least that's my interpretation of it. Um, I really thought that was a nice touch. I would have preferred no kissing. Same. I, I, I would have preferred not to not the Raylo because, I mean, especially when literally the only people in the movie who get to kiss are the white people. When you have taken the Asian love, the Asian, um, is she Asian American? Any- I'm not sure. She's of Asian heritage, we'll say. You take her and you completely sideline her and she and Finn are just like, you know, nodding to each other as they go up and down in the hall. And then the only people who get any kind of romance are the fucking white people. That, that is gross, dude. That's gross. It's also a little bit grosser when, their relationship is not what I would call um, healthy. G- good, healthy. Uh, this is a manipulative, uh, abusive relationship. It's it's it is physical at times, but it's primarily psychologically abusive. I mean, he is attempting to manipulate her mind and manipulate her emotions. Yes, sometimes he 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 does tell us in this movie, "I've never lied to you," and and it does appear that he probably never has, Mostly even though he may not always tell things. That, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, but it, it is it is a little bit disturbing that the romantic moment is not maybe another character with Ray where that might have been set up better, but the the one relationship she has that is non familial. And yet also incredibly toxic and abusive. And that's where we end up with. That's not a message I think we should be sending. Um, Even if he is redeemed, that doesn't, that doesn't mean like he get, he deserves kisses. Like that means that he need, he probably needs to spend like the next 20 years actually redeeming himself to everybody else. Yeah. He needs to be like out there with Jimmy Carter building houses for poor people. Like pretty much. Like, yeah. So I found it really uncomfortable i get that there's a lot of Raylo uh like stands who really like there's a lot of shipping and a lot of fan fiction about this and people really like it and i can appreciate that but i think the message it sends in the film is it just doesn't make i also never bought that there was a romance there it just felt too too creepy it's it's a lot of yikes it's a, it's lot. a lot of yikes yeah I'm thankful that it's not like a full-on makeout session and that he survives and then they like get married because that would just be worse. I mean, I, I do have to say, uh, I like that his, his last earthly words are ouch. So that's dignified. That's right. When he hits the, <laughs> the, the, the giant chains. <laughs> ouch. Yup. There are little moments of genius. Like I love Babu Frick, the, the droid operator guy. The, I, well, and I like the little droid that just goes, no, thank you. Oh, yeah, 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 Dio. Yeah, Dio's yeah. cool. No, no, thank you. I'm happy now. Squeaky wheel. Yeah. <laughs> Very cute. Uh, there there are some really cute little characters that I thought were actually uh, introduced very well. I think Babu Frick, we just need to know like what he does and have him have a few lines being cute and adorable, right? And I think that's enough. Like, And then we can ask the questions, like, maybe we should have a Babu Frick comic. Uh, I would love that. Or a Babu Frick uh, cartoon miniseries or something. That would be fun. Yeah. Um. Like, I loved, even though I, I like, the, the idea that um, uh, the planet that got blown up where uh, Poe's, I guess, ex-girlfriend used to live, uh, despite the fact that, that she sort of just unceremoniously unceremon- appears and they have, like, a moment, 
I love that Babu Frick pops up and he's like, and I, I, I giggled at that. I thought that was pretty funny in the final battle. Yeah, that that was like classic Star Wars. That was fun. Very much. Especially since they, they pretty much killed, um, what's his name? Yubnub. Oh, did they? Yeah. He, uh, Tanti 4 crashed. Oh. And he was flying at it. As far as I'm aware, I, I tried to see it the second time. It's hard to see, but it looked like he was in it. And I'm pretty sure it crashed. Oh, that's sad. Uh, but that's fine. You know, we got to at least see, um, did you see Wicket? Yes. Yes. I was so happy when they showed them. <laughs> yeah. I fucking love the Ewoks. <laughs> and, and I mean, there were some little Easter egg moments in there I really liked, like with the Ewoks. There were other ones where I was just like, huh. Like, to be honest, yeah. when when Chewbacca's remaining best friend has died and all she, her message was to give him a medal that he personally does not give a shit about, but the fans have been very offended about. I was just like, yeah. I did like, I will say that when uh, Chewie finds out that Leia's died, um, this is one of my criticisms of The Force Awakens, is there there isn't a moment of mourning, really, in that movie. Yeah. A proper mourning. And Chewie, like, loses it. Like, just crying. Like, he's trying, they're trying to console him, and he's just lost it. Because he's lost almost all of his closest friends. And the pain, like, I started, I actually kind of started crying, because <laughs> I started to feel his pain a lot. I was like, yeah, because a lot of these are, like, these characters are my heroes. And, like, I, I at the end of this movie, like, I, I was, like, un- un- unconsolable. <laughs> like, I was just, yeah. like, ugly crying in the theater by myself. Because a lot of these characters are gone. Like, there's, there's, there is no more, right? Like, my heroes are dead. All, all of my main heroes are dead. And it just was really sad. And so there are moments in this, I think, that are, I think they really get the story that's being told. And it feels really good. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, did, I cried when, now, I thought it was kind of dumb that Ray went to Tatooine. But then when she was, like, taking the name of Skywalker and there's, like, her little Force Ghost family standing there, I cried for that. I was like, oh, God, Carrie Fisher's a Force Ghost. And it does take us back to an idea that had been sort of kind of suggested just in a different way in The Last Jedi. Last Jedi was, like, anybody could become important, um you know, in the sort of forced lineage, right? This is like, but like Skywalker could be a mantle that others can take for themselves, found family. Um, And so it's not that she's a literal Skywalker in the genetic sense, but rather that maybe she embodies the Skywalker legacy in a different way, at least the good sides of it, because the parts of the Skywalker family they show are all of the nice people. Although Anakin's voice is in, uh, when she speaks to the the Jedi, Um, Hayden Christensen's there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I got uh, Anna Sokotano. Yeah, like Qui Gon Jinn, Luminara. Oh my god, I was so excited. Yeah, like that. That moment was cool. I mean, I will say, like in my vision of the movie that could have been, I will forever miss two things. I will miss watching Luke Skywalker's Force Ghost mess with Kylo Ren for half a movie, and yeah, I will be sad forever because. I had this moment when they announced the title of Rise of Skywalker and, you know, we had all the stuff out of The Last Jedi where, like, Rey is kind of like, you know, has some kind of interesting relationship with the dark side of the Force where it doesn't seem like it's going to consume her. And I was sitting there and I was like, wait, wait, I've got it. So, like, what if, what if Rey is like, oh, 
Yeah, we totally do have to burn the Jedi down. But you know what? The Jedi had some shitty ideas, too. And why don't we we bring the light side and the dark side of the Force together? And we will call ourselves Skywalkers! Because the sky is where the dark and the light meet! <laughs> and I was like, oh! Galaxy brain! And then, of course, none of that ever happened. Because I was like, maybe they'll bring back the Grey Jedi! Yeah, the, a part of me wanted the Grey Jedi thing. Because I thought that's where the last Jedi was going oh, for. Oh, God, how would that have been? That would have been so cool! I I would have loved it because it, it I think that most most Star Wars fans can recognize that as cool as the Jedi are to like sort of embody in our own weird little fanish way they're deeply flawed. And then it would be like Rey finally being the one who does bring balance to the Force. Yeah, I did like the idea of there being like a Force dyad though that Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, uh, Solo and uh, Rey are like two sides to a dyad. I like that concept. I would have loved if it had been explored more, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting concept. I definitely, Force Dyad plus Kissy Face is a little squicky, but, you know, just my uh, Yeah, we could have done without that. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, like, that's an interesting concept that I also wouldn't have, you know, more, give, fine, give me more mystical Force bullshit, like. And on the subject of the Force, can I, it's a thing that bothered me, because I feel like this is, if if we get more Star Wars that happens to do Jedi-related stuff, my big concern with this film is, like, they just sort of took the lid off and were like, yeah, anything goes, Force-wise. And I, and I don't mean that specifically to Rey, because uh, I know that was a criticism a lot of people had with The Force Awakens and everything. I'm thinking more in terms, especially with Palpatine, but just sort of like this idea that there just seems to be increasingly unlimited amounts of destructive power in the Force. Yeah. I mean, like, I got super excited when Ray healed Kylo Ren, because I was like, oh my god, Ray's a healer! That's a cool thing! Head exploding! But but yeah, Palpatine being like, and then there's going to be lightning that's gonna, like, fucking take an entire fleet of ships out of the sky. You're like, at that point, why do you need your fucking stupid Star Destroyers that prove you still only have one goddamn idea. <laughs> yeah, well, there's also, like, they all have planet killers on them. I'm like, really? Yeah. Do we, can we just have... They, it's, they're scary enough if they're just, like, 10,000 Star Destroyers. Mm-hmm. That's scary enough. Like, the, the Resistance is in shambles. They've got, like, 12 ships. Right? Like, that's a force in and of itself that's alone. Scary and terrifying. I, I, I think Palpatine is already... His powers are already immense. The fact that he can shoot force lighting is scary enough. The fact that he is manipulative, that he can suck life energy out of people, those seem to be enough. That we we didn't need him to be like, I can also light the entire world in the greatest light show in the world. I think it's just too much. Yeah. Like, he does not need to be a god. Yeah. Also, were the Sith people in the stands, were they like real people? Or were they like ghosts? I have no idea. I was very confused by that because I was like, where the fuck did these people come from? Because it's been two movies and the Sith haven't been a thing except for Kylo Ren. Because there's always a master and a student and an apprentice. Where the right. fuck did these guys come from? And where, and how did nobody find out about this? They're like, there's like 2,000 of them and this planet has no food. Someone at some point's gonna notice shipments of food. I mean, maybe they're like the representation of like all the, the all the past Sith, kind of like, you know, Rey communing with all the past Jedi, maybe, but it was very unclear. Yeah, I mean, it seemed that Palpatine was coming from the perspective that the Sith are in him, but it, 
the way it's set up, it seems like, oh, but but he means in the same way that Ray means, like they're like Sith ghosts, I, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, it's just, yeah, I think what we're getting down to this, uh, we're getting down to the wire where we got to kind of close out anyway, but really it comes down to there's just a lot of things that for a concluding movie are not being explained that needed to be at least set up enough that we could figure it out for ourselves. Yeah. And we're not. And I guess on that front, I'll, I guess I'll go into my final thoughts and grade that. Okay. Um, and then leave you to the, the final, final statement. So look, I'm not going to say I hated it. I, I definitely took serious issue with this film. I'm past hate. I don't think I can become a Sith like so many Star Wars fans would. Um, I, I think that this is just an example of a model of filmmaking that does not work for the kind of story that Star Wars is. And it, the flaws are just too glaring to ignore. There are things I like about this film. I definitely had fun the first time I watched it. I think it's a fun film. I think that it's just the flaws are too great that it just becomes like a film that you say you saw and you're like, yeah, that was fun. But is it a film that you're going to kind of go back to over and over or want to go back to if you're not a super Star Wars fan? Probably not. And I think that's the greatest flaw because the greatest thing about Star Wars is it sucks people in. Yep. Right. Not everyone, but it gets a lot of people. It can suck you in. And suddenly you find yourself going like, I never was a Star Wars fan. And now I'm like watching all of Clone Wars on repeat. What is happening to me? And I don't think that this film's going to do that. And I think that's, that's disappointing. So I would give this film a C. That seems fair. Yeah. I don't hate it. I, I think it's fine. I just think it's, I think I would agree with what you'd said earlier. It's disappointing in a lot of ways. Uh, lovely in others, but disappointing in a lot of ways. Um, I will say it was pretty cool to see people ride horse creature thingies on top of a Star Destroyer. Yes! That was like a cool visual moment. Like that. They, I mean, like J.J. Abrams knows how to put together a good visual moment, even if you're occasionally like, why is this happening? Like with the Sith Lord light show. He is what I would say is like the proto-George Lucas. Like he is better at direction, but doesn't know shit about story. And George Lucas can do story, but can't direct people for his life. Yeah, I, well, George Lucas at least ha- definitely knows that a story needs a beginning, middle, and end. And, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say he's a perfect storyteller. I just want to be clear. I, but I think that George Lucas is better when he's other competent. people are directing his stories. Yes. And I think J.J. Abrams is better if he's directing other people's stories that he did not have any hand in writing. I would agree with you. <laughs> so your final thoughts and grades. So my final thoughts, I liked it a bit less than Sean did. Again, mostly disappointed. I'm incapable of feeling that level of anger anymore now that I've, you know, watched Infinity War and it burned out my soul. <laughs> I will say, as a special message to the Disney execs that I'm certain are listening to this podcast, yep. that if you think my queer ass is going to be you know, impressed and satisfied by three seconds of lesbians kissing and I don't know their names because they're such minor characters, you can eat my entire queer ass. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> like, this was, for all the, the like, oh, look, we're going to have queer representation. You know, the, uh. the LGBTs should be happy about this. It was, like, actively worse than what than what we were supposed to be impressed by in Avengers Endgame. At least they got lines in Endgame. Right? At least one side of it got lines. We didn't get the full couple, but... Yeah, so anyway, that was just a whole thing. That was an entirely yeah. other disappointing thing, and it's like, come on, guys, it's, you know, 2019, give me a break. I will say that I, I 
if I'm remembering correctly, Ryan Johnson is actually going to be doing, what, a trilogy of Star Wars movies? And it's very nebulous and we don't know when. But I also want to put out into the universe, I really hope that his Star Wars movies are like Old Republic movies so he can go really fucking weird with them. Yeah. That'd be cool. I, I will say that there, for those that don't know, there's a happy news. Taika Waititi is currently in talks to do a Star Wars movie. Yes! Yes! We don't know what that means yet because it's that's all we have, so. But you know it's going to be weird and hilarious. It will be. It's going to be a comedy, for sure. Oh, God, yeah. So Star Wars is obviously not dead to me. I mean, mostly, I was disappointed. I'm ne- I'm probably never going to watch this movie again. Alamo Drafthouse actually sent me a survey where one of the questions on it was they asked me to rank all of the Star Wars movies. And when I put my ranking together, there were only two movies that were below The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> so that should wow. kind of tell you where I'm at. Yeah, one of them was Attack of the Clones, so... <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm not a total monster. So, I mean, I'm going to say that as a grade, to be honest, I'm going to have to give it a D. Because it was just... uh, D for disappointing. D for disappointing. (laughs) So that gives it an average of a C-, minus, right? Yeah, uh, the D plus-ish, C- is somewhere in there. Yeah, I'm I'm willing to to let your overall, our our mutual overall love of Star Wars raise it up to like a C-. minus. Fair point. I think I'll take it. Awesome. Well, perfect, folks. So I, I guess that kind of puts us at the end here. Uh, so if you have any opinions about this movie and you want to yell at us about it, uh, and by us, Please I mean Skiff, Skiffy and Fanti, because that, I'm not going to send anyone after Alex, because uh, then you, you have to fight me first. I, I've already gotten retweeted by Chuck Wendig on a Star Wars thing. I, I don't <laughs> need it. I've been there. It was traumatic. And that's exactly how you meet the wrong side of fandom. That's not Chuck's fault, but it is... Unfortunately, it's become persona non grata among certain Star Wars fans. I just want to know, why would you follow someone someone on Twitter if you actively hate them? Like, I, You know, the, there's a lot of questions in the universe we'll never have the answers for, Alex. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Mysteries. So if you want to, if you have opinions, you want to share what you think, uh, skiffingfanny.com. Um, you can you can send us a message via our contact form or skiffyfanny at gmail.com or at skiffyfanny on Twitter or technically on Facebook, facebook.com slash skiffyfanny. And uh, yeah, you know, review us on the iTunes. Um, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash skiffyfanny. Um, Alex is at katsudonbury.net. Yes. So just in case people don't remember where to find Alex and Alex's amazing books and stuffs. Yes, buy all of them, please. I I have student loans. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I guess uh, we're done. So um, I've, <laughs> I feel like you should do like a Babu Freck impression. Like, Babu Freck. You're welcome, citizen. You're welcome. <laughs> Awkward ending and scene. <laughs> If you would like to support this podcast, you can do so at patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty. You can also find us on our website, skiffyandfanty.com, and on Twitter, at skiffyandfanty. If you'd like to send us an email, you can do so at skiffyandfanty at gmail.com. The music for this episode comes from Sphere by Creo. You can find out more about their music at freemusicarchive.org.